Today's episode is brought to you by Alexandra Park BJJ. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a full-contact martial art and combat sport that was developed in Brazil in the 20th century. With roots in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, has been developed and refined into a unique grappling art with the aim to allow a smaller and weaker individual to beat a bigger and stronger opponent with the application of proper technique. Based in Muswell Hill, North London, Alexandra Park BJJ's classes are designed so that you can develop your fitness levels, balance, coordination and flexibility in a no-pressure environment and to provide the opportunity to start a new sport at a reasonable price. At Alexandra Park BJJ, we aim to be inclusive so that everyone can benefit from this incredible art, not just the athletic or ultra competitive. To book your free class, head over to alexandraparkbjj.co.uk or email inquiries at alexandraparkbjj.co.uk. Welcome to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast looking at audiobooks both big and small, as well as radio plays, narrative podcasts, anything audiobook-ish. This podcast may contain spoilers, rants, curse words, mispronunciations of names and places, and more. Hello everyone and welcome to Audiobookish. This is an audiobook review and discussion podcast. My name is Fahed Rahman and I'm joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And our guest today is Farusha Gunawadana. He was born and schooled in London. He studied medicine at university and he now works in the east of England as a cardiology trainee. He's approaching the end of his uh, traineeship and his interests include jiu-jitsu, gym, comics, favorite character is Batman. He's married to Joe, who is a palliative special care nurse, and he has two children. He's also the co-host of the Two Medics podcast. How are you doing, Farisha? Uh, really good. Uh, honoured to be on here. Um, honoured honored to have uh, people ask for my opinions and stuff. I'm not sure uh, what I have to add, but uh, it's a real honour. Thank you so much for asking me to come cool. on. Cool. So um, let's get started. So um, in kind of exchanging the emails between us two, um, you kind of mentioned that you've got a fairly long commute, which means you've consumed a fair few audiobooks. How did you first come across audiobooks? Was it a younger age, kind of later on? How did they, how did you first encounter them? Yeah, I mean, I I, I must admit the, the idea of audiobooks to begin with kind of felt a bit like cheating. Like it felt a bit kind of, um, I was one of those people who uh, didn't like the idea of a Kindle because uh, perhaps the kind of pole holding a book in your hands thing yeah. was just, so it didn't feel quite as real. So I think I was probably quite a late adopter of it until I was forced to kind of do this commute and just needed something to occupy my mind for a period of time. So um, mm-hmm. only really recently. And uh, to begin with, I kind of thought I might try and like learn French or something. That was disastrous. <laughs> um, and then I kind of, well, I think one of, one of my friends just said, oh, why don't you just uh, cane through books? And I find that, that because the commute, just uh, beca- I just kind of zone out and then kind of zone into these yeah. audiobooks and, uh, uh, yeah, never really look back. Okay, that's great. So um, we've got kind of a mutual friend in Imran, and so that's how we kind of initially got introduced to each other. Um, and Imran's got kind of, kind of had a similar story in terms of, like, his commute to um, Basildon, 
as well. So um, we're going to talk about your five favorite audio books. Do you want to start off with your, it doesn't have to be in any particular order, but kind of like what's the first one um, on your uh, list? Yeah. Um, the Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, it's really awesome. Like one of the reasons why I love it is because the narrator, who isn't the author, does all the voices. And mm-hmm. um, I, lo- I, I love a voice. I love a kind of corny voice or whatever. But the cool thing in this is that uh, some of the protagonists aren't human. Like some of them are like spiders and like weird other creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that <laughs> like if I was to kind of think about what kind of noises or thought processes there'd be for a spider, um, I mean, it just the fact that this person has like conjured up those kind of sounds and things. I just uh, it kind of blew my mind. It was and it's a really really great story where basically the, so it's about um, the future and kind of the fate of the human race and without giving too much away there are other races competing for survival and humans i think understandably i I think it takes a very kind of neutral perspective on the kind of human condition and how we actually kind of are bad guys to all the other species and i think it was Mm. kind of an interesting stunt have you guys uh, uh read it I haven't, no, but it's interesting what you say there, and I won't say too much on it, but the book that we're doing for our next podcast has a oh, very yeah. similar thing okay. of taking non-human perspectives, and therefore, yeah, a very interesting commentary on humankind and how humans treat other, you know, animals, plants, yeah. things like that. Um, so, yeah, so it's really interesting that that's one that you've picked out for this one. Um, who was the narrator that did those great voices? Oh, I don't actually remember. Oh, <laughs> That's all right. I'm sure we can find it. Yeah, but um, I really loved it. Um, I was really engrossed in it, and I just found it really immersive. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend. So I've not come across that particular book, but I have read another novel by uh, Adrian Chachowski. I believe it's called The Tiger and the Wolf. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, he's a really interesting author because I think he plays lots of um, Dungeons and Dragons and Mm. that's how he starts kind of his process of building out his world and, you know, his storytelling journey from there. So yeah, that's, that's a a really great. And then when did you kind of, how did you discover that? Are you big like sci-fi and fantasy fan or is it just something that came up in like the app that you were browsing through? I mean, I definitely am kind of into sci-fi. That's true. But, um, how did I come across it? I think I was kind of reading the the Bobbyverse. That's another um, audiobook kind of um, saga, and I kind of, I love that as well for for a very similar reason. Like uh, there are kind of different species, and I think I found it uh, immersive. And so I basically typed into Google, you know, uh, books like that, and then came across that. And um, yeah, I just thought it was awesome. Okay, great. Um, nice. So, what's the next book on your list? So. There's a book called The Five, so The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper, a bit of a dark one, um, yep. by Hallie Rubenhold. The reason why I liked this book is because it was a kind of different slant on the lives of these women. And essentially, mm-hmm. they'd kind of been portrayed always as kind of being victims. And the, the way that they'd been kind of discussed is in the context of being people who are killed by Jack the Ripper. But this kind of looked to reframe that and just focused on their lives and it just kind of was really, um, it was interesting. I think for one, the kind of theme of all of them were that they were kind of really vulnerable. And I think it really shows how women were at the mercy of men. And I don't think it's changed an awful lot, but it was just kind of interesting to just kind of reframe that perspective. And I thought um, it was kind of cool in that way. So that was quite notable. Mm. Yes, I think that's um, 
that's a book I have heard about. And true crime is a genre that's really uh, taken off in the past. Mm. Yes. What, five or six years, would you say, Poppy? Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, especially with the kind of the advent of a podcast like um, My Favourite Murder uh, yeah. and that sort of thing. So you, what kind of drew to you? Are you kind of a, a big um, true crime fan? Or is it just, I mean, I know it's kind of quite a big book at the time that it came out. What what kind of drew you to it? Um, so definitely not really into true crime at all. And oddly, it kind of came for me looking at books about feminism. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of was going down a bit of a rabbit hole with the kind of Me Too movement and stuff. And I kind of felt like there was just a lot of stuff that was coming up, obviously, that was kind of making me think. And I kind of thought to myself, well, um, it's all well and good just kind of responding with whatever my limited, very, very limited lived experiences as a kind of man. And so rather than doing that, um, I just kind of went through, I mean, it was part of, there are many, many other books um, that I kind of thought that, that I mean, it's basically, it's kind of, for that particular book, it isn't really about their deaths. It's about their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's just about kind of reclaiming that from the narrative. Yeah. Um, because in the, in the narrative, like people just assume that they're all prostitutes, but they weren't. Um, they were just vulnerable women. And um, so it came from this rabbit hole. I went down basically reading quite a lot of different feminist books. And um, I didn't want to have <laughs> in the five books that I kind of um, mentioned, I didn't want to just kind of go through all of them but I've got I must admit that one was one of about five in in a row I've read that were just mm-hmm. about feminism okay that that's um that's interesting who narrated the audiobook do you know yeah Louise Bra- Braley so okay by Hallie Rubenhold and it was read by Louise Braley okay that's um that's interesting in terms of like the mix of audiobooks that you listen to is it like um a 50-50 split between like fiction and non-fiction or do you kind of skew more heavily one way? Yeah, I think the other? I, I definitely used to be more fiction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, loving the voices and stuff. Um, but then more recently, I think that I've been able to just, or at least I've found it easier to engage more with non-fiction. I tend to listen to it a little bit faster and I find that if it's about stuff that I'm kind of interested in, it just holds my attention more. Whereas with kind of fiction, sometimes on the commute, I can kind of drift off. Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably skewed about 70, maybe 80% non-fiction these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting how kind of like, I mean, I definitely am reading a lot more non-fiction um, these days than, than I used to. And I think that's probably the same for you, mm. Poppy, as well. Kind of you've recently got started getting into like autobiographies and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. And I... I've only recently come to nonfiction, really, and partly through stuff that we've picked on this podcast, and and partly through just finding some really good, yeah, autobiography memoir ones. Um, but it's interesting because one of the ones that I guess sort of helped in converting me was um, No Fixed Abode, which oh, yeah. sounds like it does a similar thing to what that one did in the fact that it focuses a lot on the actual people who are victims of 
you know, issues. So in your case, you know, victims of the Ripper, in this case, victims of, you know, kind of the failing systems that are causing homelessness and stuff like that. But it very much had a, it's important that we focus on their lives and who they were as people, um, not just kind of facts and figures things or, yeah, kind of two-dimensional victims and stuff like that. So I think I would imagine from not having heard this one that if people had enjoyed that one, that, that maybe this one would be interesting as well. And then similarly, we've talked about before the fact that the kind of problematic thing about enjoying true crime and stuff like that is that it can, you know, kind of glorify and stuff like that. And so I quite like what you're saying about this one, that it, I guess in some ways, might scratch that itch of true crime stuff, but it's doing it in a much more humane um, way of, you know, you are considering the people involved, not just, yeah, yeah tossing aside. And, yeah. I think it kind of, in in some ways, kind of gives, but even though it's been so many years since they died, it kind of gives them an opportunity to kind of be seen mm. in a different way and emp- empowering in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's another thing with just like history in general, it's very easy to think about people two-dimensionally and think about, oh yeah, but they were in the past. And yeah, yeah it's interesting then thinking about them as as real people and you know all those funny things that you see as well as like you know famous historical figures and then you hear about some stupid embarrassing moment that they had you know even just stuff like that it's quite interesting having to take a step back and go wait a minute these aren't just characters these are actual people with yeah a whole load of different things behind them that's uh yeah quite an interesting point so you uh, in your podcast you you quite often one of the main thrusts of it is looking at um medical twitter and kind of like responding or replying to tweets how cognizant are you of the fact that you know the people who are writing these tweets or posting up on social media are actual real people who might be kind of like going through a moment and stuff (laughs) like that when you're um replying to replying to that i mean especially i'm considering some of the more stupid and insensitive things that you might um yeah yeah. (laughs) might come across yeah i think one of the problems is is that i mean we're all capable of saying stupid things i definitely am like uh, guilty of that. I think so much of what we say, though, doesn't necessarily have to be tied into our core identity mm. in a sense that um, I think if you take the approach to life whereby you say stuff, but you're kind of learning and willing to be like called out on it, like it yeah. and have it not mean that you're necessarily a bad person. I mean, obviously, there are things that people might say that might be enough based on a foundation of some sort of ignorance or maybe some sort of hatred or dislike of some other people okay um well i mean that's not okay but the point yeah. is is that <laughs> the point is about i think i think the reason why when people get stuck certainly on social media is when they kind of double down and they hold a fixed position but mm. also i think the kind of um circular like i've been cancelled and stuff on the internet i think is when people equate their opinions with I mean, they're completely immovable, but also mm. they tie it in with their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so much respect for people who are able to say, you know, what, I actually got that wrong or actually I did yeah. this, this way. And, you know, I've learned something or whatever from it. Mm-hmm. Um, just as you've learned that audiobooks are just as, you know, valuable and worthy as the yeah, physical, exactly. holding the physical book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, keeping an open mind is important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's good. So, um, what's the next book on your list? Yeah. So, um, the next book is written in bone, and it's by Sue Black, um, Professor Dame Sue Black, and it's also read by her. She's a forensic anthropologist, <laughs> and so what she'd do is at crime scenes, she would examine the body and basically tell the story of how that person 
would have died. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever watched the show Dexter. Um, mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it oh, me, of... you need to ask Imran about um, our, our little in joke about, oh, Dex- yeah, about Dexter. Dexter between me and him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to ask him about that. Yeah, but I will. I will. Um, so, like, but so, so this person basically was. It, I mean, she obviously didn't go. She didn't do the retribution thing, but she was really cool. Like, just like the thought. She'd talk through some no- notable cases from her past, and it just she she. I think the jobs changed now, but mm. um, she is obviously, obviously very passionate about her job. And she had some really, just really quite cool stories to tell about just some notable cases. And yeah, and it's read by her, really inspiring person. Uh, yeah, 100% recommend it. It was awesome. Oh, that's cool. And did you find like partly your obviously medical knowledge and interest and career and training and all that, did you find that that was something A, that sort of intrigued you to it or B, that you kind of called upon while you were listening to it? Or did it sort of not factor in? Well, to be honest, like um, her level, like if I was to be put into her working <laughs> environment, yeah. I would be, we would be the same mate. Like it is just, she, she's like her, her knowledge of like anatomy and just simply the way that things are kind you know, it's just another plane of existence. Mm. Um, so it was to me just a completely eye opening affair. It was amazing. Yeah. It was really, really good. And she explains it in a really accessible way. So I don't think mm-hmm. there really is a lot of jargon. And she kind of really does explain stuff from the ground up. Mm. And it's really cool. It's a really wild ride. Like there is one particular, she, she was obviously really amazing at her job. And uh, they'd like fly her out to like different countries to kind of investigate different murders for like high profile cases. And the, um, they had like, she kind of built up this really amazing lab. She was based in Scotland. Mm. And uh, at one point, they, she went to Italy for a case, and they just didn't have the technology, the similar, the same level of uh, expertise and technology there. So she ended up taking parts of a corpse in a kind of icebox on the plane back to Scotland. And this was in a time where, you know, this is before you could have like your liquids within a kind of twenty mil bottle and all that kind of stuff. She literally took the icebox like onto the onto the plane with her, and she had like this little piece of paper. Like loads of people wanted to open the box. She'd be like, "Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look at this letter first. And she yeah. basically got waved through with no one looking in the box. But I mean, you could tell it's obviously from a different time. But um, it's just amazing. Really cool. Uh, really cool read. Oh, yeah, it's kind of interesting how like uh, medical like procedures have changed. I mean, obviously, it's like medical criminal procedures have changed kind of uh, like over time. And so I imagine like in a similar case like that, I, you know, a lot of countries would have a better like uh, technical kind mm. of stuff. But just the idea of like going on a plane with like a head. bits of a human being. <laughs> yeah. What was what was what was the part of the body that they were? Um, the head, mate. It was the head. The head. Oh, oh, believe it. <laughs> yeah. Gross. So gross. And I think it's also cool because I think that's one of those jobs that like so many people watch on TV and then want to do. You know, it's like kind of one of the main things of every crime show is, oh my God, I want to be that person. Um, So so I imagine, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I imagine for a lot of people that hearing that on the much more accurate um, sense, but still being just as, you know, intriguing and exciting must be really cool. Yeah, kind of like when it does come to doctor jobs that appear on tv i think you know obviously cardiologists are kind of like quite high up <laughs> the on there and like oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> then um obviously uh people that carry out uh, autopsies as well i think like radiologists mm. are probably quite far down 
Um, I'll tell him when you said that. Oh, see, no, because I, I used to watch a lot of Holby when I was younger, and I actually, for right. a period of time, did want to be a radiologist because of that. So, no yeah, way. It, it, faded, it faded out what? quickly, but yeah, genuinely, that was for a little bit. Amazing, yeah. amazing. You're like the only person who's ever said that in the history of <laughs> speech. Yeah. <laughs> Did did That's anyone cool. ever tell you about um like that period where me and him were writing a sitcom about what? his about his uh years as a medical student? Did he ever tell you about that? No, interesting. <laughs> okay, no. So we, yeah. So me and him wrote um kind of wrote, wrote a couple of episodes of a sitcom about basically based on the years where he had to retake his final exams in like Basildon, right. and it's kind of like him telling me his stories and then trying to figure a way how to change the students that he was studying alongside mm-hmm. so they were just like similar enough to make the stories ring true but like different enough that we wouldn't get sued <laughs> so it's like changing people's names yeah, and uh, kind of stuff like that we actually I mean obviously it never came to anything because it's not on TV um, but I did manage, yes. hey. <laughs> <laughs> manage to get one of the um, like a short snippet for it turned into like a a comic book well comic strip anyway so yeah so you, you definitely ask him oh, ask him about, <laughs> ask him about that <laughs> uh cool so what's the what's the next one we'll be up to three now i think is that two yeah three three uh, okay uh, so what's the next one three um i think it's probably a bit of a common one but uh ready player one mm. so that was narrated by will wheaton i think have you read that? It's um, I've not it's read also, it. No. I've heard oh. of it and heard good things, but no, I haven't gone yeah. to it yet. So, so it's become it's now like a Spielberg. It's a Spielberg movie, or at least it's pr- produced by him. Um, and it's about the future. It's another sci-fi one, um, mm. and it's about the future whereby a lot of people just basically exist in this uh, virtual reality game that essentially takes over most of life. Like most people are just kind of more involved in that than they are in the kind of real world, mm-hmm. and. Um, the person who kind of creates that world, well, dies. And basically in his uh, last acts, whilst he's living, he decides to kind of uh, pass over the ownership of that uh, world, which is called the Oasis, I think, to the person who wins this uh, game, which is within that virtual reality environment. And that book is just chock full of like 80s and 90s sci-fi or kind of nerd references like the DeLorean from Back to the mm. Futures in it and there's loads of like cool like video game reference and it's basically for like a nerd like me it's just complete kind of it's almost like it's fan fiction it's written by um, mm. written by a fan almost for a fan like it's just lo- loads of cool things um there's a bit about like Dune there are lots of references to Dune mm. and just um it's awesome it's awesome and uh the narration's really good as well and I think the, th- the thing that I kind of, I, it, the book surprised me because it's from the perspective of a kind of a teenage boy. And I thought I'd probably, you know, t- uuh, the teenage years were a long time ago now. Mm. And I think I th- kind of always felt in, in myself, not always felt, but I felt for some time now that that kind of perspective is kind of behind me. Like, you know, when you see the Hunger Games and stuff, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a bit, probably a bit old for that. But um, it's still, it's awesome. It really captures the imagination. It's really good. I really love that book. Yeah, I think there's definitely some like teen perspectives that you can feel like you've outgrown or, you know, and it doesn't quite ring true to you anymore and stuff like that. But it is also definitely a good thing talking about, you know, keeping open mind and stuff like that, that there are so many, um, you know, either teen perspective books or, you know, full on YA books and things like that that can be, you know, more than loved by people of all ages and stuff like that, for sure. Um, So, yeah. And did you like... How did you find the experience of listening to that as a 
opposed to reading it? Like, are you glad that you heard it as opposed to, yeah. Oh yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I think the thing, my kind of reluctance to read it was from the perspective of, oh, I'm not sure if I'm really going to be able to identify with this character and the perspectives. And, you know, there's like, there's love in it and all Mm -hmm. that. And, uh, but it's cool. It's just like a really, it's a really cool story. Um, And so I think, and that's, I think the kind of beauty of kind of uh, books that perhaps do adopt like a different perspective is that if there's like an amazing story it'll bring you you know if it's well told then you can you can get into it you know Mm -hmm. like uh yeah so it was awesome yeah so i mean that kind of the entire vr world thing it is i mean it's not that far off (laughs) now i don't think you've got like you know the the likes of um google and facebook developing their technologies but there's i think there's really interesting things kind of happening kind of on the edges there's this uh, youtube channel that i watch called uh people make games and they do like deep dive investigations on kind of more serious topics to do with like the game development industry and they talk to a bunch of people that were developing kind of vr vr experiences and Mm -hmm. one of the things they find it's really expensive to do so they'll the the people developing these uh, experiences will just find cheap ready-to-made kind of like graphics and stuff like that and well one of the graphic sets was from basically is just like these female manga uh characters mm-hmm. right. and so these guys would have to kind of have these avatars that were female and <laughs> that's a likely it's, story it's, isn't it yeah yeah well oh, I mean, those are the only ones available oh, oh what, a nightmare. what will yeah. i do yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. I the really um kind of interesting thing about being forced to interact with a female kind of avatar with other people in a virtual role world was that some of the people kind of, it helped them kind of explore different parts of that, their sexuality, mm-hmm. their okay. gender identity and stuff like that. So kind of your know, one person kind of realized, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm probably like bisexual. Um, and you know, another person kind of like was, became a lot more sympathetic to the way women are treated in the mm. world. So I think that idea of, you know, virtual reality helping you, to kind of try out different identities i think's yeah really important and yeah so yeah it's a, a fascinating really cool. exciting and scary hmm. um but uh really terrifying world as well so yeah i can imagine why an adventure story set in uh in that um environment would be kind of like you know exciting to kind of uh listen to how did you find will wheaton's voice because i know a lot of people have got like differing opinions on him solely based on his kind of like appearance in star trek the next generation yeah. see um i i love the next generation so i yeah. um well i'm just fully on board the will wheaton uh hype train so uh, mm. i loved it <laughs> i loved it <laughs> okay. so, uh, i thought it was really good yeah i thought it was really good okay that's good um that's good to hear. uh what's the what's the next book kind of like uh, and i think if we're coming to your last choice yeah, yeah yeah um i feel like i had to be on brand I mean, I wasn't trying to be on brand, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. there's a medical one uh, called uh, War Doctor uh, by David Knott. Um, and the kind of sub kind of title is um, Surgery on the Frontline. And it's read by him. And uh, it's basically about this guy who um, got into medical school in this kind of meandering way. I think he kind of struggled to find his kind of purpose in life. And it's, it's you know, it's autobiographical. And then he kind of, I think he just really, yeah, he meanders through his career and then kind of stumbles into uh, volunteer work as a doctor in war zones. Mm -hmm. And um, it just talks about 
his experiences going to war-torn countries and just being amazing. He's just amazing. Like, um, there isn't really much kind of medical jargon in there. It's just about the kind of um, having to make do in completely devastated environments. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't help but kind of just get the entire the entire book. I was just like, this guy is just unbelievable. He's he's kind of like it should be fiction. Yeah. But you know, like when you see the idea of med, like in a Holby City or whatever, mm-hmm. like doctors have this kind of. Um, slightly kind of porcelain I don't know like type a kind of personality types or whatever whereas this guy he's like I flunked my exams I failed this I did that and whatever but then he just goes and is a complete and utter hero he's a complete hero and uh, it's just and it's really it's just really emotional and you hear about the kind of losses and just the way you know because I think he obviously had to deal with a lot of like seeing an awful lot of awful awful unjust things and uh, mm. how he just kind of kept going back to it it's um he's yeah just a really inspiring character um i was gutted when that book ended um it's just oh, yeah i think that's a, a fantastic compliment to, to give to a book to, mm-hmm. you know, to be gutted um yeah. w- when it's ended uh it's, it's an interesting kind of like point a couple of points that you you, you brought up there so in your in your podcast you kind of mentioned quite a lot how kind of doctors expected to be kind of like amazing top of the game yeah all the time and but you, you know doctors are people and you do have people that do kind of just drift through life until they come across oh, the yeah. thing that kind of like gives them purpose was that kind of similar to your journey into like cardiology or is that something that was that a field that you were always kind of like interested in doing yeah i don't know i think it's probably like a mixture of things like i think when my when my mom was like in labor, she was like, Oh, my son is going to be a doctor. And, um, <laughs> so like, it was almost like my parents had decided that fairly early on. Um, but I remember when I was kind of like eight, nine, 10, kind of watching some kind of hospital dramas and being like, I don't think I, I'm being completely thinking along the lines of, Oh, I c- couldn't survive in that environment. I can't handle blood. I'm squeamish. And, uh, but then kind of, so I kind of went to and fro, um, I, I think I, I always liked science. And um, when I was applying to medical school, I thought I was going to be a children's doctor. Like, But for me, it, it was because it seemed like the idea of charming children and kind of, you know, playing with it, that seemed cute. So that's kind of what I had in mind when I was applying to medical school. Um, it was. I mean, I think being a children's doctor would be maybe my least favourite. I don't think I'd be able to cope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, so I don't really. like kids that much um oh, yeah. well other people's <laughs> well non-family kids that much anyway <laughs> um Fair enough. but just like the the idea of like comforting like uh that like terminally ill child i just think would break yeah. me yeah, i think yeah, i wouldn't be able to cope with that <laughs> same all, I, yeah yeah same same i think yeah. it just shows goes to show how like naive i was because like who mm. thinks who really thinks like that's what a pediatrician does just plays <laughs> with children all day like that's not yeah, what you like, do Dr. Patch Adams. Or yeah, exactly. If only, yeah, yeah. if only we could all be like that. But like, um, no, it wasn't. So <clears throat> and I realized that. Um, and then I kind of did uh, as part of your, because when you start as a junior doctor, you go through different rotations. And um, I remember seeing a guy coming in with like a massive heart attack. And I remember the boss like 
strolling in i remember the boss like being like oh don't worry mate we'll sort you out and he said pretty much those words don't worry mate we'll sort you out and he takes the guy into the cath lab which is where they perform the did you the angioplasty for this guy who's having this massive heart attack and literally like half an hour later he's out kind of having a cheese sandwich you know and i just remember being like that's so cool like that dude was like having a heart attack like on the brink of death and you're just like don't worry mate we'll sort you out and they yeah. do like um so then after that i was like oh that's what i want to be like i want to be the kind of person who you know when i'm around people are like oh you know three shorts sort it out so and i think in cardiology there are a lot of there are lots of opportunities to do that so i think after that um, that's all i wanted to do um so, so this is a question i've always wanted to put to like um someone who works in cardiology what do you think is like harder like cardiology or like rocket science because like those are the two yeah examples that are typically yeah. brought up when some you know something's kind of like it's not that so, oh yeah yeah <laughs> D- definitely rocket science definitely rocket science <laughs> if someone can explain to me what those higgs boson particles and stuff are without me going cross-eyed that would be awesome it's definitely definitely way harder if i can do cardiology literally anyone can so this is yeah this is something that kind of imran brings up when i talk to him as well as kind of like a lot more people are capable of being doctors than yeah, yeah. are given the opportunity Mm. To and I know that's something you talk a lot about in in your podcast is like educational privilege and educational pro- um, opportunities being not necessarily available yeah. to all of those who might be capable of um, taking them taking yeah. them up. Um, cool. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the a little bit about your podcast as well, just uh, to tell listeners about this kind of oh, like. Yeah. Cool. sort of stuff that you you talk about and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah uh, thanks uh thanks for the opportunity to i mean um so it's between me and imran although we do have a lot of kind of guest hosts who generally are it's just a um a cabal of other doctors i suppose but me and imran we used to kind of uh talk every so often about how what an amazing time we had pretty much at the end of med school where we went on this kind of trip so generally speaking during your medical training you have uh, a period called an elective which can be between it's about three months where you go to another country. And the idea is that you're supposed to explore medicine in another culture, another, Mm. but we did a very little exploring of other cultures and a lot of kind of like messing about essentially. And um, we always used to kind of talk amongst each other about how, about the stories from then. And essentially Imran just like one day said, Oh, why do we make it a podcast? So lots of like funny things that happened and whatever. And then whenever we'd kind of meet up to kind of talk about it, we just ended up, talking about stuff we'd seen on social media, just like stupid stuff. And then we thought, oh, why don't we kind of make that into a podcast? And that's pretty much how it came about. So we kind of would be inspired by whatever is in the zeitgeist or whatever's kind of whatever people is talking about. So we kind of use Twitter or kind of Reddit or kind of social media as a kind of springboard to give us ideas for current affairs, but things that generally affecting medicine, although we're kind of branching out because what we are certainly realizing about ourselves as we're kind of getting older is that I think there was a time where being a medic was pretty much like 90% of my personality. Like mm. if I went, <laughs> I met other people, like that's what I end up talking about. But as time's gone on, obviously like I've realized that there are other parts of myself that I kind of value and I think have value and, you know, I'm a father and, you know, I like have other interests. So I think the podcast in a way is kind of, hopefully kind of branching out just just it's still like just me and Imran catching up and fortunately like it's cool some people listen like if one or two people listen then that's awesome that's um yeah yeah I kind of uh, noticed on you know kind of reading your your bio kind of like into jiu-jitsu is that something that you you talk about 
um, podcast. What type of what style of jujitsu do you train? Is it Brazilian jujitsu or is it kind of like? Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah. So like when I was when I was a wee boy, I did taekwondo, yeah. and then I got into yeah. Japanese jujitsu. Yeah, and then through that, when I got my black belt in that, like me and my brothers were really into it, and obviously yeah, the, U- the UFC was kind of growing yeah. from like. Tito Ortiz to like Brooke Lesnar and then suddenly it just kind of seemed to just explode and obviously obviously I had to be I had to get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because you know so the Gracies and um you know the kind of big uh Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh technicians who are just kind of ruling the UFC but then because that all just got completely flawed with Covid um yeah. so I think so the last time I went to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class was probably about was pre-COVID, like three years ago. Oh wow, um, dude! Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's been a lot. It's been quite hard to like just. Well, it felt icky, like the idea of like rolling around with other people. You know, when we were still mm, wearing masks yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But now, now the problem is now the children are kind of growing up. And although I have talked to my daughter Lily, who just turned six, into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I've like planted the seeds there. Like I've been winding, like just kind of grinding her down as time's gone on. And the other day, she said to me, "Oh, so when are we going to go to the Jiu-Jitsu lesson?" So I think. I think it's on, man. I think it's on. Mm. Okay. Go. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. cool, yeah. cool. What, 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 belt, what belt do you hold in uh, jiu-jitsu? It, so uh, in Japanese jiu-jitsu, I was a black belt. In yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I pretty much bounce from one club to the other, so I'm just a white yeah. belt. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, you should yeah, come yeah. roll with me sometime. I'm a you destroy me. Belt. I saw, I saw an, yeah. you're a purple belt. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. You could come roll with me sometime. It'll be, oh, uh, it'll be interesting. Next time at uh, one of um, Imran's barbecues. Yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> one of those ones. yeah yeah okay cool so uh thanks for taking the time to uh yeah. talk to us today oh you're very welcome yeah, really, thank you yeah some really interesting audio but i don't think either me or poppy have heard, well listened to any yeah of those. have you listened to any of those no, no yeah so d- ones definitely on ones to kind of like uh check out awesome from there maybe future uh episodes as well is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or plug I'm I'm starting like on TikTok to do like videos basically explaining concepts in cardiology that to like people who are interested. So if people have cardiology questions like about anything, I'm trying to do videos that kind of explain concepts that perhaps would have seemed impenetrable. So my like TikTok handles Therusha Rages because it was originally me just complaining about work, but I figure <laughs> I should try and I should try and do something more constructive. So if people have questions about cardiology that they want me to kind of explain in a way that's accessible, I'd love to try and do that. And so my handles at Therusha Rages and I'm on TikTok. Okay, so, cool. And where else can people find you on the internet, on Twitter, Internet's, social media? So I tweet a lot on Twitter. It's not really cardiology, though. That's me just trying to be funny. So I don't know if you like bad <laughs> jokes, bad, bad jokes, then I'm on there. Um, that's pretty much it. Though. Yeah. What's your uh, Twitter handle? handle? Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. at Therusha. So T-H-A-R-U-S-H-A dot. And then my, a bit of my surname, because obviously my whole name doesn't fit in. So it's like G-U-N-A-W-A and then four for the number of letters remaining in my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's great. Um, Poppy, do you want to tell our listeners about the book that we are going to be doing next? If you've got yes, that information so in front of you. I teased it a little bit um, there with talking about some connections, but we are going to be talking about next time, The Island of Missing Trees by Alif Shafak. Uh, it's read by Daphne Cuomo and Amira Ghazala. I am 
about an hour and 20 off the end and I'm absolutely loving it so definitely do take a listen to that episode when it's out depending on when you listen to this it might be there already you skip right to it but yeah I think we're going to have a great chat and I'm looking forward to it so yeah awesome. okay that's great uh, so thank you very much Farouche for taking the time to speak to us today let's say uh, bye to everyone bye bye, bye.